Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. going on everybody this is eric cole and this is by my count episode 264 of the talking chop podcast uh you may realize that this is not brad roland queuing up this uh this episode because we're doing a little bit of an emergency podcast and unfortunately it couldn't have come at a worse week for brad uh he is in the midst of draft coverage getting ready for the draft night with the hawks and amidst a bunch of news going on with the nba as well but we wanted to get you guys some content, some content regarding uh, a signing to, that came through today. And joining me to talk about that signing is a guy I don't actually get to talk of to very often in the podcast because mm. it involves three of us being on. Is one Scott Coleman? What's going on, buddy? What's on, Eric? Yeah, the good old Cole Coleman podcast. It's a uh, it's a good one. We talked Brad and I when we talked on the podcast yesterday about um, who knows what this winter is going to look like as far as activity and when the Braves would make their moves and. As fate would have it, not even, I mean, truly not even 24 hours after we recorded, the Braves go out and make one of the bigger signings of the offseason so far. Not that we're super deep into it, but uh, lots of good stuff to chat about on Drew Smiley and, and good to be on with you, my friend. Always. The, the Cole and Coleman podcasts are always a, a good time. Uh, and on brand, Brad records a podcast, finally finds an hour that he can actually do something while also like foregoing sleep to do the podcast on Sunday. And then the Monday signing happens. Uh, it happens at least once a year. Usually it's more yeah. than that, but at least <laughs> once a year, you know, Brad has to like shoehorn in a podcast, nails the, nails the content. By the way, as our fearless leader has told both Scott and I, please make sure you guys go download episode 263, the lineup, the, the yeah. lineup review where they talk, where, where Scott and Brad talk about the lineup. Uh, he wants to make sure that doesn't get buried by today's news or anything like that. So please download that. It will make Brad happy. And uh, it'll also make us happy because it helps grow the podcast, making sure that all the podcasts are getting a listen. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Uh, this isn't going to be a lineup review. There's not going to be some big, you know, deep dive type thing into, you know, the minor leagues or the lineup, the rotation, the bullpen. That's not what's happening. This is going to be a shorter episode because we are talking about one topic and one topic only. The Braves signed Drew Smiley seemingly kind of out of nowhere. 
Uh, he wasn't yeah. a na- he wasn't connected to the Braves I saw anywhere at least uh, you know other than maybe you know people were, like making a list of here are the starting pitchers that I'd be okay with. Uh, it's a one year deal worth eleven million dollars, slightly more than what he was projected for by most folks at least on a uh, per year basis. Uh, total dollars you know it's not a crazy number or anything like that. Scott, I'm just gonna go to, first for top line thoughts. You see this across the you know, the, the newswire. This is the signing that we start off with, and again, we kind of came out of nowhere uh, in typical AA fashion. You know, no leaks came out of this front office about their interest. What was your first thought when you heard when you heard the news? Yeah, um, Smiley was not somebody who was on my radar at all. Um, in my head, I just kind of resigned myself to the fact that they were going to kind of repeat what they did last year with Cole Hamels and even Dallas Keuchel the year before, add a veteran and innings eater type. Um, and, and while Smiley has, we talked before we got on, Eric, that Smiley actually has a longer track record, I think, than some people may realize. He was a pretty solid pitcher in the early and mid 2010s. Um, you know, he was he was not on my radar at all. And of course, he was a 2020 darling. He was a, a, a more of a back end starter through his early years of his career. And then all of a sudden what happened is his strikeout rate went through the roof. He was like 97th percentile. I know it's all small sample in 2020, but 2020, regardless of who it is, is all going to be small sample. Um, but an interesting upside play. He, again, he was not somebody who was on my my candidates, I guess, in my head of who the Braves might pursue for the rotation, but an interesting guy. Um, it, it seems, at least to me, I don't know how you feel. I think the money is reasonable. It's maybe a million or two higher than what people were necessarily expecting but it is a one-year deal which has some upside as well because you're really limiting the the risk long term so i'm good with it i think it's an interesting addition to be sure one that was unexpected on my end but uh i'm good with it how about you see i was already geared up for like the first signing of the offseason to happen in like late december and it was gonna be john lester or adam wainwright like just like a guy who's like 38 39 years old you know, and it's just a guy that can throw some innings at the back end of a, of a rotation that seemingly should be in pretty good shape for next year with Soroka coming back and maybe you get some of these young guys a little bit more experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, don't, I mean, the one-year deal certainly fits the pattern, right? Like, you know, this is kind of what Anthopolis is particularly good at, uh, at least in his tenure with the Braves, is like finding those one-year deals that make sense for the club and have a certain amount of upside. They they did it with Donaldson. They did it with Ozuna. They've done it with Keiko. They did it with Hamels, which obviously didn't work out um, because he couldn't get healthy. Uh, and then Drew Smiley is their kind of their guy as to, for the one-year deal. Now, it makes a certain amount of sense on Smiley's side, right? Because, you know, you take this deal probably more than what you were kind of expecting to get on a per-year basis if you're Drew Smiley. But this way you get a little bit extra money, but then you can hit the, the market again after the season, maybe you can prove that you can get through a whole 162 game season, which in his track record is a bit of a bet. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. But, you know, I saw the deal and I'm like, you know, that's the guy with upside. He looked really good last year. You you, you said it earlier, the strikeout rate jumped up to like 14 per nine. Um, the stuff ticked up too. his velocity was up two or three miles an hour in his fastball. Curveball looked a lot better. You know, he had the finger injury, but, you know, these those are kind of that. I'm not worried about finger injuries. It's kind of like a, a lasting problem with Drew Smiley. It's kind of the other stuff that he's had in his past that maybe gives you a little bit of pause. But when you sign a guy like with that kind of upside for $11 million to be in your rotation, again, presumably, you know, maybe he they don't get run him out there every five days, but he's, he's definitely going to get a bunch of starts. 
you know, I was I was all for it. I saw I'm like, wow, I actually really like this one because again, it has some upside versus kind of some of the other options. I mean, like we're just guaranteed four ERAs and like junk ballers, yeah, for six innings, and that was the that was the best thing you could hope for. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there is some risk, as you've said. I mean, really, he looking at Smiley, he he made three appearances uh, right when the season began. Then he had a finger injury and missed a month. So really, the Braves are paying for what came out to be four starts last year. Uh, but in those four starts, he was very, very good. I mean, his strikeouts were through the roof. He had, let's see, quick math here. He had 28 strikeouts in 18 innings. I mean, that is absurd. That's even for a reliever, that is absurd, let alone somebody starting a game um, and faced the Padres twice in that stretch too. a pretty good lineup there. So um, this is a it's it doesn't really even feel like a, a move that this front office would make. Right. Like, I think that's kind of what took me by surprise, as we've said, you know, that they get the John Lester, the Adam Wainwright, the Dallas Keuchel, the, the Cole Hamels type guys who are not sexy. There is basically no upside because they've been around for 15 years and, and you know what you're going to get. Adam Wainwright suddenly not going to start striking out every batter he faces. Uh, but there, there's some there's plenty of upside here. There is a little bit of risk. Uh, again, as you said, we'll see if Smiley can make it through a full season or, you know, 20, 25 starts, whatever they end up doing with him. But um, I, I do think this does move the Braves ceiling a little bit higher, which is something that's always important to do whenever you have the chance. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the projections and again, let's be clear, projections, especially this offseason, mean absolutely nothing. Because no one knows, really knows what's going to happen this offseason, and it's kind of all over the place. But just kind of a, a general ballpark is what people thought Smiley was going to get, despite the, the the small sample size of really good starts. You know, there is certainly a certain amount of pessimism uh, regarding that sample size, and with the injury history, uh, there was some pretty conservative estimate that came out. Uh, Kylie McDaniel, formerly of Fangraphs, now at ESPN, he guessed at around one a one year deal at around seven million dollars as kind of a make-good deal for him. And Craig Edwards from Fangraphs kind of put a guess at two years and $17 million. Which, again, total dollar figures, we're, 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 we're in that same ballpark. Uh, on a per-year basis, the Braves seem to have paid a premium. And we've talked a little bit about this offline throughout the day, is that it seems like what happens to me is that there's this group of guys that were like probably willing to take one-year deals or were kind of in the same ballpark, and the Braves decided that Smiley was at the top of that list or near the top of the list, and that was the guy that they wanted, and they paid a little bit of a premium to sign him earlier in the offseason. Like, you just check that box. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it anymore, and you don't have to wait as to kind of who falls. Like, there's going to be some teams that just wait until February, and like, okay, who's the guy who will sign for $3 million? Yeah. And, you know, you're going to get the bottom of the barrel when you do that. Now, you get lucky with that sometimes, but hardly a, get, hardly a given. And when yeah. you think about it in those terms, you pay a few extra million dollars, and you get the guy that you want. Now, that brings me to my next question, is that we we both and Brad and really everybody has kind of had this perceived notion that the Braves are going to be one of those teams that, that we think is going to be kind of a league-wide thing. That are, there's going to be a lot of suppressed spending. We thought we were, we were expecting a really slow and suppressed free agent market. And here is Drew Smiley getting a deal that's, again, we're not talking about a five-year, $100 million deal. We're not talking about, like, this, you know, this starter that's going to take the league by storm necessarily. But he's getting a little bit more money than people thought. And it's at a position that, while the Braves certainly have a need for a veteran arm, we could have seen them shopping in the clearance aisle for, for just a veteran arm or two, right? 
Like we, we, like we said, we were just kind of expecting just like two guys who, you know, maybe had got Cy Young votes, you know, eight years ago. We could see that happening. But instead they went and got Smiley, who, again, has more upside, paying a little bit more money for that kind, that kind of deal. This isn't signing, you know, you know, signing a Clevenger to a deal, which oddly enough is fairly timely given what happened with him. This isn't signing Trevor yeah. Bauer, but, no. but, but do we think now that this has, is this predictive, I guess is the best way I can describe it, of the Braves maybe being a little bit more aggressive in a market that might reward teams being a little more aggressive considering what other teams may do? I think as fans and as people who who cover a team, I think we have to hope so. So far, free agency has not been crazy, but you've seen uh, some decent deals get done. Robbie Ray signed for eight million for a year, which seems pretty uh, seems pretty fair for him. You, of course, this deal, the couple of guys accepted the qualifying offers, which was and teams extended qualifying offers, which was a healthy nineteen million dollars. Um, so yeah, I think. Everyone's expectation, and, and of course, we do not have the benefit of knowing what the next six to 12 months are going to look like as far as fans and, and a vaccine and, and all those things on a, on a lengthy list of questions we have. But I, I think it is encouraging. I would hope that if if the Braves and Anthopolis went out and spent $11 million on a guy who they more or less got to see over 20 some odd innings over the last year, um, that they do have a little bit of cash to spend. Now, what does that mean moving forward? I'm not sure. I think, you know, I think you can still piece together an offseason where they stay really even below what their payroll was a year ago, a year ago, and put a really competitive roster together. Um, but ultimately, we just don't know. We, we don't know. There's really been no movement on the hitter market so far. Uh, we don't know what those contracts are going to look like. And, and I do think if if this is uh, the only rotation move the Braves make to to address the area, it's not um, – I, I don't think it would be a mistake just to go with Smiley, but I do think because it's $11 million and Hamels was making 18 so you, in your head, if you want to say they have $7 million left or so to kind of fill that void, uh, maybe they do go out and add another arm, one of those boring veteran types that you and I just talked about, where I, I probably could get down for Wainwright or Lester – or, you know, I think Charlie Morton's probably going to make a little bit more than that if he doesn't retire. But those types of arms might fit a little better if if you know that you already have some upside and potential with Smiley. Absolutely. And I got asked the question earlier today. They're like, you know, I that folks are worried that the Braves spent a third of their offseason budget on Drew Smiley. And my question to that is, does it make much sense at all that if you only have that much money? that you're spending a third of your budget or, you know, a large portion of your budget on Drew Smiley. When you all have already lost, I mean, quote unquote, lost Marcelo Zuna to free agency, you have holes to fill in your roster and this is where you spend the biggest percentage of your money. Doesn't make much sense to me. Frankly, it shouldn't make much sense to anybody. I do think the Braves have some money to spend. Now, how much money that is, is a different question. And there's a lot of things that the Braves have to kind of juggle and, you know, there's some accounting that they're going to have to do because there's a possible Freddie Freeman extension that's, you know, in the off season and, you know, may, any sort of long-term deals, you have to kind of balance that contract versus other contracts. You have to, you also have the non-tender deadline coming up. How much, how many of those, how many of those guys are going to come off your payroll? How many of those guys are going to be going to arbitration, et cetera, et cetera. You just have to get to, the, there's some real numbers game stuff happening on the Braves end. Not to mention that I think we both agree that the Braves really would be served well to re-sign Marcelo Zuna, uh, yeah. mainly because they're not going to find another guy like that to fill that DH spot <laughs> as well as hmm. he has for the next few years. So 
Um, again, there's a lot of things to juggle, and but when you factor in the fact that they made this signing, it just in the context, it just doesn't make sense for them to like this to be the marquee signing. Now, yeah. if that is what happens, you know, and <laughs> like you know five, you know, come March, and we've signed like five guys for like a total of another twenty million dollars or something like that, we're gonna be having an entirely different discussion yeah. about you know priorities and et cetera, et cetera. But you know. To my eye, anyway, and others have said it too. Grant McCauley was talking about it earlier, and we've been talking about it. It just doesn't make sense in the con- you know in the context of what the Braves usually do and how much money they have coming off the books. That like this is the marquee move. Like this, they wanted to strike the iron while it's hot early hmm. and get the one guy that they were going to get. Doesn't make yeah. much sense. So it does seem. It. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and it's interesting. Uh, I never know how much credit to give to general manager comments because it, it's funny if you look at. Alex Anthopoulos press conferences, he probably hits the same five or six talking points in every single one. He's very <laughs> smooth. He's a very smooth operator with the media, right? But um, and, and you can't trust anything he says. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And it was another signing that truly there was not a peep about. Like it was team announced, as most of these things are. He likes to run a tight a tight ship, which is I guess appreciated at times as a fan and as someone who covers the team, just because you don't have to endlessly follow rumors like we did at times during the uh john coppola days but um the ass ass copy the ass copy era where we had to parse Uh, everything that he was saying what a time what a time to be alive (laughs) yep (laughs) Uh, but anthopolis said uh in a radio interview today quote we looked at him smiley even last off season as well when he came back from the finger injury his last four outings were really strong the curveball is a real weapon for him in our minds, it's one of the better curveballs in the game, end quote. So, again, it's it's someone who they've had interest in for a while, seemingly. Uh, they also He also famously said that they were trying to get Tommy Malone for a month before it got done, and we all know how that went. So, I, I, again, I don't want to dig too deep into what a GM said in a more or less mandatory radio interview, but um, it does seem like Smiley has been on their radar for a while. I wonder... If we did some Google searching, I wonder if we could find him connected to the Braves at any of those trade deadline pieces, uh, because I, I want to say the Braves and Giants were connected one time or another. I think it's entirely possible. I know there were certainly some, some people where they're wondering if there was going to be, a, uh, if the Braves and Kevin Gaussman were going to reunite at some point, which, you know, I yeah. had some questions about. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Gaussman's 2020 season was not what I expected to happen. Um, and him getting a qualifying offer, I would have lost a lot of money betting on that, too. So, you know, I guess, I guess what, do, I guess what do we know in, in that <laughs> yeah, regard? Good for him. Um, Nineteen million. Yeah, I know. For him. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like he, and I, like once he got that qualifying offer, I was like, he needs to sign that now. <laughs> yes. Like, don't don't even think about it. <laughs> Get that money. Yeah. Yeah. He just, I, I was blown away. Um. So we talked a little bit about the budget stuff, right? But we do have to kind of talk about what's going to be happening with the roster and kind of what role he's going to play. So like. We've kind of looked looked at our top line thoughts, but you know what? For the 2020, 20, 2021 season, we have Drew Smiley. Do you think that he's going to be able to like be a starter for most, if not all, of the season? And wait, what? Where can, are you kind of expecting out of him as a member of the rotation and as a member of the roster for twenty twenty one? Because I mean, again, for eleven million dollars, the bar truly isn't super high. He just kind of has to produce. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's kind of interesting to me is kind of what we're kind of expecting from him, especially with his history. Yeah, it's it's the big question, right? Again, he is somebody who in past years, I mean, looking back, granted, this is 
a while ago now, but 2016, he made 30 starts with the Rays. He made 21 starts in 2019. He underwent Tommy John surgery, so that's that's the lag in, in time there. But, um, you know, if, if you're able to get him over a full season, and nowadays it's so different with pitchers. Now I'm going to tell you this because you, you cover the minors so extensively where they're very protective yeah. of pitcher arms. But, you know, there are so few pitchers now who you, in a normal season, who go out there and log 200-plus innings and make 35 starts. I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, sure, that was kind of the norm if you were if you were having a good year. But, you know, we've seen a lot of teams, including the Braves, have, have protected pitchers. They've limited innings. They've done the faux injured list stints just to kind of keep them fresh and healthy. I would uh, much yes. rather— yeah, so you know the old the, the groin pull, right? You you miss you miss two weeks, you keep your arm fresh, and then you're magically sore recovered. back. Sure. Yeah, yeah, lower back injury. Yeah. Um. So I, I think for I would imagine they have every intention of making Smiley a starting pitcher for as long as he can. But if there comes a time, and who knows if they're gonna add more to the rotation, what the young kids are gonna do. Um, I, I would imagine they will be protective of him, and hey, if it means that he misses a couple of weeks two or three times during the season in order to keep him healthy for September and October and, and in his groove, uh, that's something I'd be in favor of. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, right? Because it seems like one thing that the Braves did kind of, it was almost a little bit on the nose, is that they replaced Cole Hamels with another lefty, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It seems like they want to have that mix in the rotation. It might explain why the Braves were more than willing to at least give Sean Newcomb another try in the rotation uh, when the uh, Hamels went down. Like, you know, they would really like to have that balance of lefties and righties in the rotation. Um, people will have a right to be a little bit suspicious of the small sample size, size with Smiley because he even said in an interview today that, you know, he felt like all that rest and all that time to kind of have a normal offseason and heal up was why he was able to kind of get those high spin rates and, you know, work on things, uh, do weighted ball exercises to kind of be able to throw the ball a little bit harder. He was like low 90s, like 91, 92. He was throwing like 95, 90, topping out like 95, 96 this year. And those are good things, right? Like we, we want to encourage better spin rates and more velocity from our pitchers. But at the same time, when a guy's 30 – you wonder if he's going to be able to do that over the course of 162 game season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, now he is a guy that you know again he has a breaking ball. He, breaking ball is really good. Uh, he also has a cutter that makes it where you know against righties he that does good work against them as well. Uh, has not really been throwing a changeup, which frankly is just a good idea because uh, it wasn't a particularly great pitch to me. But what I am curious about is to whether or not this makes it more likely that the Braves like kind of eschew the once every five days once every five days of rotation guy or you know maybe they go to something where they're like letting young guys pitch a little bit more often and they try to go to every six days because i could see a situation where if you could space guys out that helps not just smiley who's a guy hasn't really thrown a lot of innings in the last couple of years but we know that max freed pitches pitches a lot better on on longer rest maybe you kind of give smiley breaks and maybe he pitches out of the rope, the bullpen from time. And again, if you get to do those things, then he makes even a lot more sense because he kind of fits in that role. Now, whether or not that actually happens is kind of an open question. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with a guy with an injury history like his, it's a little bit dicey. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's amazing how, you know, here we are feeling pretty good about the starting rotation depth on, on middle of November. You figure Soroka is going to be ready. If not on opening day, close to it. And, 
Freed and Anderson and, and Smiley now, and you feel encouraged about what Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson was able to do in, in September and October. Um, but as we saw just a few months ago, at one point in the spring, the Braves looked like they had six very legitimate starting pitchers ready to go. And a month later, they had one of them. So it's amazing right. how quickly just pitching can dwindle. And I'm not I am in no way suggesting that all of a sudden the Braves are going to lose their entire starting rotation other than Max Freed in 2021. Uh, but it does beg that exact question and why I think it would be worth uh, at least really looking into the, the possibility of adding another veteran to the rotation if they can find one at a reasonable rate um, for exactly that. If you need to give Smiley some time off, if you want to give him in the bullpen, if, if Mike if Mike Soroka needs a little more time than what we're expecting, if Ian Anderson inevitably, hey, hey. <laughs> you're right. Excuse me. He is Superman and his Achilles exactly. will be there you go. There 102% you go. ready. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, Max Freed, as good as he is, he does have a little bit of an injury risk with, with the blisters and the other little odds and ends of things he's dealt with. We don't know what Ian Anderson's going to do over a full season, so on and so forth. And, and guess what? If all of a sudden you have six really good starting pitchers at some point, that is as good of a problem as you can have in, in baseball. And yes, uh, it, it's never too much. Pitching is, is never, ever, ever a bad thing. And one need only look at the league championship series on both sides of baseball to see why that's the case, because you saw a bunch of bullpen games and, and guys just trying to figure it out. Because if you have yeah. the, the, there's not teams that have so many starting pitchers that they're like, what do we do with these guys? Yeah. It just, they just doesn't exist. It <laughs> just doesn't. Yeah. Um, there, there are guys you, they trust more than others. There's guys that matchups better than others and you want to be able to leverage those matchups. It's a very, it's a really good point. Um, now there is another side to this, right? Because you're right. There are, there is a question that would be a good one to have is that they have too many good starting pitchers, but are there guys right now that were very middling and were already kind of on the fence and now all of a sudden, with a guy with the addition of a guy like Smiley that maybe you could expect that we're not going to see very much if at all because there's definitely yeah. some some guys internally that I'm wondering like are they really are we even going to see them pitching a Braves uniform again really mhm yeah no it's i mean it's a very legit question and it's as we have seen these young pitchers progress at different rates and different levels um i, I don't know what it means i mean does this improve uh, this probably does not do any favors at Bryce Wilson's chances at getting numerous starts next year, or, you know, even a Kyle Wright, somebody who should probably be at the big league level. If, if the Braves go out and add someone else, at least to start, he probably doesn't have an immediate spot to go to. Now, again, for all those reasons we just talked about, there's, that's a good problem to have, at least on a team perspective, but, you know, I'll defer to you on this, but what does it mean for a Tuki Toussaint? Uh, what does it mean for a Sean Newcomb, who is still cheap, but probably on the roster bubble a little bit? Um, and, and some of these other guys who are are probably ready to get a taste of the big leagues may not need too much more time in the minors. Uh, but if you know you can only start so many guys on your team, uh, especially if they go down to 26 man rosters again. Uh, I don't know. What do you what do you think that means for guys like Tukey and Bryce Wilson and, and those types? I am less worried about guys like Bryce Wilson who have had recent success in the rotation than I am guys like Tukey and Newcomb that don't seem to have a role at all. Because the Braves had seemingly no interest in putting Newcomb in the bullpen, let alone after his feet kind of flamed out in the rotation again. 
and Tukey, kind of the same thing. Like there's an opportunity to put them in the bullpen. There's an op- and they all they and he had multiple opportunities at you know grabbing a rotation spot and he didn't grab it. And now you have another problem of they're just going to keep adding more guys to the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. So either they're going to stop doing that, and they're not going to be on the 40-man roster, which is a problem for them long-term, yeah. or they're just going to kind of be in roster limbo because, I mean, J- Jaciel De La Cruz and Tucker Davidson, those are two guys that we could see doing something at the major league level next year. And I see it's far more likely that they're going to get starting opportunities than either of Tuki or Nukem, and I never thought I'd say that. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. th- those are at least unknown quantities. Whereas we've seen what Nukem and Tuki are—incredibly talented arms—that when they're on or among the more ter- more entertaining pitchers to watch. Yeah. But are maddeningly inconsistent, and you know, and it's but in particularly in Nukem's case, you know, once things go wrong, it seems like mentally things go way off, and then the things just spiral out of control in a hurry. Yeah. And so if you're asking me now, like, who is to make more start and who is more likely to make starts, you know, the guys who have, like, literally not debuted or those guys, I would probably bet on the guys that haven't debuted. Hmm. And we haven't even talked about guys like Patrick Weigel, who's, like, made, like, one relief appearance. Yeah. But he was yeah. a starting, starting pitcher of note. Kyle Muller didn't even get an opportunity this year. And there's other guys, too. So I don't know. It's 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 kind of tough because, you know, are those guys getting reliever spots? Not, I don't think in this bullpen. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's you know, again from a team perspective, right? We 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 like this because it presumably makes the Braves better. I guess it's possible that Drew Smiley, even if he regresses hard to like the level he was in 2019, you could still probably survive with him as a, a fifth starter or a long man in the bullpen, but. You know, again, if, if you add him and, and Smiley is what you hope for and he throws you 150 innings or so next year, I think it's it's good for the Braves, obviously. But I don't know. And, and I think there was a time and now that as the Braves transition into a team that very clearly can and wants to win a World Series, um, you know, what does that mean for the development of young guys? Because when you are in a, a season when you're going to lose 95 games, by all means, you know, throw the kids out there, let them learn. Maybe you find someone, maybe they're horrible and you, you know, you just, it's just not going to work out. But next year in a very competitive National League East and National League as a whole, yeah. um, it's hard to, to say, you know, hey, uh, go out there and, you know, go get them, kid. And you might have to do it at times out of sheer necessity, but man, it's hard to, it's hard to give those starts away on a night when, uh, or in a time when every game is going to presumably be, difficult and the challenge and, and um, it's a lot different of a mindset in 2021 than there was maybe four or five years ago with the team. Or even a couple of years ago when you're just trying to see which pitching prospects were going to kind of help your young upstart team, you know, carry you somewhere. Or even last year when everyone was faltering and not being able to do much of anything, you know, you know, how many, how many starts can you realistically give Robbie Erlin and Tommy Malone? <laughs> referring to like, oh, maybe we, well, maybe we can try out these other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Never again, um, Eric. And it's, Never and it's, again. And it's, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and I, I know, and it's it's even tougher when the guys are guys like Sean Newcomb, Tuki Toussaint, and guys who, you know, it's fool me once, you know, <laughs> but at some point, you're like, every time we we give this guy a shot, maybe he'll put together a good start, but then the next start's, you know, a, a total implosion or whatever. You know, when it happens over and over again, you know, you can only give guys so many tries. Yeah. Uh, let me and, let me and, ask and, you this. Okay. 
Will Sean Newcomb start another game for the Atlanta Braves? No. I yeah, don't think there's any chance. I think this, you know, just thinking about it in my head, I think this, I don't want to say ends his time with the Braves, but I think it it effectively ends any chance he ever had of starting games again. Maybe he's willing to go to the bullpen. I know he's made a stink about that in the past, but I, I'm with you. I think you you said it exactly right. You know, a move like this hurts a Sean Newcomb type more than one of these young guys who you still just don't know what they can do. I mean, Bryce Wilson at least started a playoff game. They didn't want Newcomb anywhere near the playoff roster, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's put, let's put it another way. And, like, there's only so many guys that can, like, throw multiple innings that you can have on your roster. Um, you know, as lefty arms, the Braves aren't really hurting for lefty arms in their bullpen. They're not really hurting for guys with multiple innings, especially since they've signed Tomlin. You know, what situation do you bring Sean Newcomb in that you're happy about? <laughs> not many. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, what, all lefties and none of them can hit? I mean, yeah. I, I guess I guess those lineups exist somewhere, but, you know, I, not, there's not many of them. So it's just not a situation where I just I don't even know what his role is. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to think that, you know, like Tukey, at least for stretches, you know, when he's on, like maybe, maybe you can like you squint your eyes and keep him in, and put him in the bullpen and see if he's the good version of himself. Right. Like you can see that. But in Newcomb's case, I just I don't see I just don't see a role for him at all. Uh, and in Tukey's case, you know. He's tried, you know, 2020 wasn't kind to yeah. how he did things. So, I don't know. It's 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 kind of it's kind of an interesting problem to have, but it's a, a fortunate piece of news for the Braves. Uh, I do think that the rotation did get better today. Um, Scott, before we let the people go, do you have anything you need to plug or anything else that you want to share with them? No, I mean, I, I did the same plug yesterday on the pod with Brad, but thank you to everybody for uh, checking out the site and, and checking out the pod, tell your friends that we really do appreciate it. It was fun to do an emergency. One of these, hopefully, as I said, uh, on the pod last night, hopefully they, the Braves spread out their moves just a little bit, just, to, uh, so we have good stuff to chat about over the next three months. But, um, you know, I, I do like this move on the surface. We'll see. There is a, a good amount of risk, but there's also plenty of upside. And, um, I, I think for a one-year deal, you can do a lot worse and, if this is the only rotation move, I, I think I would prefer this than a boring John Lester, Adam Wainwright type. And, and hey, maybe they go out and they're able to grab one of those guys too, uh, just to add some depth. So thanks to everybody for uh, tuning in. And uh, Eric, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. I want to echo all of that. Uh, I also want to make sure that you're wanting to follow the podcast or follow the site. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkingChop.com. That is where the site, and you'll basically anything that goes up on the site. We'll go up there first. Our fearless leader, Chris Willis, will make absolutely certain <laughs> that everything goes up on there. Uh, if you want to follow yeah. any of us, Scott, you can follow Scott on Twitter. Uh, you know, a bit hit and miss in terms of how much trolling you're going to get when you're following Scott, but most it's most of the time it's a really good time. You can follow him at Scott Coleman 55. Uh, at the very least, you get to see other beat writers troll him too. Uh, the go. Jeff Passan and uh, JJ Cooper ones are my personal favorite at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Uh, a lot of minor league stuff and frankly getting trolled a fair bit myself. Uh, and if you want to follow Brad, who is not president, but he is here in spirit, you can follow him on Twitter at BT Roland. If you also want to t- tweet at him your thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh era of Michigan football or Ooh. why why the Hawks will have given up on the re- rebuild if they don't trade up in the next in the next in the <laughs> NBA draft make sure you tweet those thoughts at him and feel free to tag me 
uh, if for no other reason that Brad will know why it's happening, and that'll make me laugh a lot. Yeah. Uh, thanks again to all of you for downloading the show. Seriously, the, the support last month was insane. Uh, we did a whole lot of shows, but you, there's also a lot of people listening to them, uh, and we really, really appreciate that. You know, Make sure if you get the chance, whatever your preferred podcast purveyor, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Google, whatever you choose to use, leaving us a, a positive review makes the, helps us grow the podcast and it gets more people listening to it. And that's really all we can ask for as a form of entertainment. Uh, thanks again to everyone. We've been doing a lot of player reviews on the site. Make sure you, you get caught up on those. We're finishing up the people who were actually at the major league level. We're going to start dipping into the minor league end of the pool towards the end of the week. And we'll see you guys next time. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.